2: Welcome back to Misconduct, I'm Eileen, and as always, joining me is Colleen, and also joining us
3: is Nicole. How are you doing, Colleen? I'm really good. I'm excited that it's October, because it's my favorite month, and Halloween is my favorite holiday, and I've already bought like six (sighs) autumn-themed candles this week, so I'm off to a good start. Uh, How are you, Eileen? I'm good.
1: I'm
2: happy to be recording with you guys, obviously, and how are you doing, Nicole?
1: I'm all right. I'm thankful that the weekend is here. September has been one hectic month.
2: Yeah, actually it has. But also we have some exciting news. We just booked our tickets to the Gen Y meetup in Kansas City. So I am so excited for this. You have no idea.
3: Same. I'm really, really excited. We're going to meet Lainey and Charlie and Haley and obviously Aaron and Justin will be there as well. So I'm just a little bit excited. <laughs> I know.
2: No, me too. Yeah. And let's not forget, you know, Heidi, um, my niece, Colleen's sister, she's actually coming with us as well. So I hope some of you guys will be there. And it's just going to be awesome, you know, meeting the guys of Gen Y, as well as all, you know, the awesome women we just mentioned. And, you know, just hanging out and chatting to your crime. It's going to be fun.
1: I'm so jealous that I can't go. I really wish I could. No. I'm a huge fan of the Generation Y guys. I listen to them. Almost every morning when I get ready for work. So it's probably a good thing that I'm not going because I'd probably fangirl out overseeing them and make a complete ass of myself. <laughs> oh, <no>. Stop.
3: <laughs> I'm really bummed you can't go. I wish you could. Darn work responsibilities.
1: I hate them. Um, but let's get into this week's case. So, guys, I learned a new word this week. It's pugilist. Until researching and writing about this case, I don't believe I had ever heard the word pugilist before. Pugilist is another word for a boxer, and now I'm a little obsessed with this word. And just so you all know, it will probably be used frequently throughout this episode. I don't know much about boxing, but I do like to watch the big matches, regardless that I'm not really sure what's happening in the ring, but I appreciate a fair fight. While I'm at it, I have one more thing to admit. I first learned about Christy Martin-Salters a few weeks ago while watching Dying for Love on the ID channel. We usually like to pick cases that haven't been done in the media, but after learning what Christy went through, I felt drawn to her strength, courage, and tenacity. I knew that I had to cover her case for my next episode on misconduct. Christy is referred to often as Christy Martin, but we will be using her maiden name of Salters since it's her preference to do so. Christy Salters was born on June 12, 1968, in the small town of Mullins, West Virginia. From an early age, she was a fantastic athlete and played a variety of sports throughout her childhood. When she went to high school, she quickly became the star of the basketball team. Once she graduated, she was offered a basketball scholarship to attend Concord College, located in West Virginia. Christy did well academically while in college. She was studying to be a teacher, and when she was nearly done with her degree, her friends dared her to enter a tough woman contest. Again, I'll be honest, I had to look up what a tough woman contest was. Basically, it's a boxing match designed for amateur pugilists wanting to give a fight a try. Christy didn't have any boxing experience, but she was up for the challenge. She ended up winning her first match and the three that followed. After her wins, she was hooked, pun intended. Once she graduated from college, she and her mother were on a mission to find Christy a gym and a trainer. This is how they found themselves in Jim Martin's Boxing Gym in 1991. Christy knew that convincing any serious boxing trainer to train her would be difficult because at the time in the boxing world, women did not make good fighters. In the past, female boxing was a sideshow, a novelty that people came to poke fun at. This wasn't the kind of pugilist that Christy strived to be. She was serious about the sport. Her goal was to be a fighter who would be appraised as her male counterparts were. When Jim Martin first saw Christy... He pretty much blew her off, but he was told by the gym's manager that he should at least see what Christy could bring to the ring, and that she had already won some amateur fights by knockout. Jim was an experienced and respected trainer. He had been training boxers for 25 years and had a somewhat successful career himself as a middleweight boxer when he was younger. He didn't have time for women in his gym. He relented and decided to let Christy have her fun. Thinking that once she learned how difficult fighting would be, she would realize just what a silly notion her wanting to be a pugilist was. He invited her into the ring to fight a male boxer and to show them what she was made of. Before the fight began, Jim whispered into Christy's opponent's ear to make sure he broke her ribs. Which was a matter of tough love according to Jim Martin. He believed that once Christie felt the pain of boxing, she would realize her place. The thing about Christie, though, Is that she doesn't give up. She fought hard that day, proving that she would be worthy of Jim's training. As Jim watched the 21-year-old woman pick herself up each time she was knocked down and how she didn't flinch when she was hit in the face and how she didn't shed any tears, Jim saw her potential and began to realize that Christy was a lot tougher than most of his male boxers. He was definitely surprised by Christy because she wasn't a manly type of woman. He also realized that she could make him a lot of money. That was the moment that Jim Martin decided to train Christy. At the time, it was a dream come true for the young woman.
3: Christy and Jim began training, and he pushed her hard, harder than his male fighters, because he knew that she'd have to prove herself worthy to be taken seriously in the male-dominated world of boxing. And that was something that Jim never let Christy forget. The relationship between a boxer and the trainer is one that's forged with trust and respect. The trainer will push the fighter to work harder, to be stronger and quicker on their feet, and to get back up when knocked down, and the trainer will wipe the blood off the boxer's face before telling them to get back in the ring and try it again. After a fight, it's the trainer that ices the bruises, who massages the achy muscles, and provides words of encouragement. Due to this dynamic, it's easy to understand why Christy told Jim about her sexuality— In 1991, being a lesbian was not as acceptable as it is today. When Jim asked Christy if she had a boyfriend, she told him that she didn't and that she wanted to focus on boxing, but that she was also not interested in men sexually. Initially, Jim took this information in stride and he told her that he personally didn't care about her sexual preference, but reminded her that the boxing world would care. He explained that it was hard enough to be taken seriously as a fighter, and if people discovered that she was gay, her career would go nowhere or that she'd be resorted to some sort of sideshow act. Christy took Jim's words to heart and promised not to tell a soul about her secret. It didn't take long for Jim to book Christy for her first professional fight. Christy knocked out her opponent in the second round. She was off to a fantastic start, and behind the scenes, something else was occurring. The more time they spent together, the more they began to rely on each other, and the deeper Christy and Jim's relationship became, and soon they were in a romantic relationship. The pair married 18 months after meeting. Christy has been fairly open with why she became romantically involved with Jim when she was attracted to women. She simply says that she trusted and respected him. Christie's dream was to be a professional boxer, and she was being told that there was no way the boxing world would accept her sexuality. At the time, marrying Jim seemed like a good idea. It didn't take long for Christy's career to take off. Even then, the women's boxing scene was small and underrated. Between 1991 and 1993, Christy won most of the fights she entered, and she'd often win by knocking out her opponent. When asked what the secret behind her knockouts was, she said, hit them on the chin and they go right to sleep. Despite being a woman and having a small platform, the boxing world started to take notice. In
2: 1993, infamous boxing promoter Don King offered Christy a very lucrative contract. For a woman boxer, this contract was a huge deal. The money that came along with the contract was also a huge deal. Jim was very pleased with the direction of his wife's career, and he often reminded her how her sexual orientation would hinder her success. Christy began to receive more and more attention with each fight she fought. People were taking notice of the woman who was a fierce opponent in the ring, only to return to a more traditional role as a wife and caretaker of her much older husband when her fight was finished. Christy did her best to avoid being sexualized in the media. She was careful about what she wore and how she presented herself. During interviews, she was careful with her words. She wouldn't make statements about other women who fought in the ring. And to the best of her ability, she dodged questions that were primarily focused on her gender. But Christy wasn't interested in revolutionizing boxing for women. She simply just wanted to be taken seriously as a fighter. This all makes sense now that we know the dynamic between Christy and Jim. The couple was seldom apart. Jim remained her trainer once they were married, and he benefited financially from her fights. But once they were home, she was expected to resume the traditional role as his wife. Whenever he'd suspect that Christie was becoming wary of his expectations, he'd simply remind her that her career would be finished if her fans learned that she was a lesbian. As time went on, he needed more leverage, so he began to threaten her, saying if she ever left him for another woman, he would expose her before killing her, and Christy believed him. In 1994, she and Jim made their way to Las Vegas, where Christy continued to make a name for herself with her many wins and knockouts. 1996 was the turning point for Chrissy's career. Don King booked her to fight Deirdre Gogarty as the undercard in the match between Mike Tyson and Frank Bruno. This was a gigantic step for Chrissy's career. The fight was to be aired uh, via Showtime. It was the first female fight to be featured on pay-per-view, and millions of people tuned in to see Tyson fight, but they were surprised when the match between Christy and Gogarty was a much better fight. In the second round, Christy took a jab to the face, hitting her nose, and blood spewed everywhere. Christy relied on Jim to stop the bleeding, but she was, quote, bleeding like a stuck pig and had to press on despite the blood dripping down her face. The audience couldn't believe that a woman could withstand such a blow and come back for more. Not only did Christy get back into the ring, she went on to win the fight and earned herself the Women's Light Middleweight Champ of the World title. Christy's career continued to grow with each match. She earned herself two nicknames, one, the lady is a champ, for obvious reasons, and the coal miner's daughter, because she was from West Virginia and her father had been a coal miner. People were paying attention to women's boxing, and Christy continued to be credited with legitimizing the sport for
1: women. So much so that in April of 1996, Christy was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. The article was titled Gritty Woman, and I found it to be an irritating read. The focus wasn't on Christie's mini boxing accomplishments, but rather its sarcastic tone puzzled over how a woman could be such a great fighter. The article continuously points out how Christie is non-threatening in person, how she is proud to do Jim's laundry, and that she is a traditional woman at heart. I mean, the entire article is extremely misogynistic. I kept making sure that the year was 1996 and not 1956. It was disturbing to realize that I was in high school when it was written. 1996 doesn't seem to be that long ago. However, knowing what we know now, it makes sense why Christie was so willing to go along with the I'm a perfect housewife narrative. It wasn't just because Jim was emotionally and mentally blackmailing her. He was probably correct in his assertion that the male dominated boxing world would turn her into some kind of sideshow novelty if they discovered her sexuality. After reading the article, I had a much deeper understanding how Jim used her sexuality as a means of control. Around this time, Jim started to step up his threats beyond reminding Christy that her career would be over.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
1: if people found out that she was gay, he began to tell her that not only would he expose her, that he would also kill her if she ever left him for a woman. Jim also had started secretly making sex tapes of the two of them that he dared to send out to the public if she didn't continue to put up the front that he required. He did this, all the while spending the money she earned on expensive cars, clothing, and other luxury items. The rest of the 90s were spent with Christy in the ring, Professionally, she continued to thrive. More and more women were entering the boxing arena, and many had Christy to thank for that. By the early 2000s, Christy had been professionally boxing for about 10 years, and she naturally began to lose to boxers who were younger, and as her career began to slow down, she became more despondent, yet less tolerant of Jim's abuse. This is when Jim began supplying Christy with cocaine. Ultimately, it was her decision to abuse the drug, but I believe her decision is understandable given the situation. She was getting older, losing fights, and was married to a man who was abusing her while spending her cash. Jim would have the drug readily available for her when she woke up and throughout the day. Soon, Christy became dependent on the drug. She recalls the time as the lowest point in her life. Jim constantly monitored Christy. But when she made a Facebook account, she was able to find a little freedom. Christy sought out her long-ago friend and first love, Sherry Lusk. The two women had been on their high school basketball team together. As teenagers, they were an instant pair who shared a deep romantic connection. When they graduated, the couple went their separate ways, but they never forgot about each other. When Christy
3: found Sherry on Facebook, she realized that she still had feelings for her high school sweetheart and sent her a message. Sherry was quick to reply and the ladies began corresponding online in secret, hiding their conversations from Jim, who was always hovering somewhere nearby. The women conspired to meet in North Carolina where Christie would be competing in a fight and when Christy and Sherry saw each other, it was as if no time had passed. But Christy was scared. She was scared of losing her career, scared that her cocaine problem would come to light and she was scared of Jim. She truly believed that he would expose and then kill her if he found out about Sherry. At the match, Jim knew something was up, and he demanded to know who Sherry was because he had seen the two women talking and suspected that something was going on. At first, Christy was hesitant to say, but Jim was insistent and determined to find out who the woman was to his wife. After relentlessly badgering Christy to answer his question, she gave in and told him that the woman was Sherry. Jim had heard about Sherry. He knew that she and Christy were each other's first love, and he was enraged and demanded that she end the relationship. Because Christy was scared, she did what her husband ordered her to do. Over the next couple of years, Christy sank deeper and deeper into her addiction and despair. Jim continued his mental and emotional abuse, all while keeping his wife supplied with cocaine. He also continued to spend the money she earned, which began to be a problem. Especially since Christy wasn't booking many fights anymore, women were starting to be taken seriously in the boxing world, therefore creating more competition. With Christy in her early 40s, she knew that her career was about to be over, and this was a bitter realization, but one that also gave her liberation. If she no longer had to worry about her sexuality affecting her career, she no longer had to care about Jim's threats. When Christy received a Hey How Are You Facebook message from Sherry, she figured that she didn't have much to lose. As she hid away from Jim, Christy told Sherry everything she'd been keeping a secret for over 20 years. She admitted to being in an abusive marriage, admitted that Jim used her sexuality as a controlling method, and she even shared about her struggle with cocaine. Soon the two women were constantly exchanging messages, and four weeks later they planned a secret rendezvous in St. Augustine, Florida. When they met in the hotel, Christy knew that there was no going back to her old life. The first night that the women spent together was marred by Jim's incessant calling, and he left message after message threatening to expose Christie's sexuality. Christy returned home for a few of her belongings and told Jim that she was leaving him and that, yes, she was leaving him for another woman. When she left, Jim kept his promise. He made call after call to their family and friends, telling them that Christy was a lesbian and had left him. Although from what we read, he didn't really get the reception that he was looking for. You know, it was 2010 and many people didn't really mind what sexual preference others had. A few friends said that the calls were strange and that Jim's concerns seemed to be misplaced. They said that he wasn't angry or upset that his wife had left him. Instead, he was focused on making sure that everybody knew that Christy was a lesbian. Afterwards, one of the friends recalled that Jim didn't sound mentally stable during the conversation, and Christy didn't seem to care either. She was finally free from Jim's controlling and abusive ways. The divorce wasn't finalized, but at least she was mentally and emotionally free. On November 23rd, 2010, Christy returned to the home that she shared with Jim, and Christy planned on packing some of her belongings, but first she wanted to go for a run. Christy was on the phone checking in with Sherry, and she was assuring her girlfriend that she'd be fine in the house with her husband. You know, what else could he possibly do to her?
2: Christy was bent over, tying her running shoe, when Jim walked in the room. She noticed he was hiding something behind his back, but then she remembered that She wasn't afraid of her husband anymore. She stood up to tell him to leave her alone, that she wouldn't be in the house, that she paid for very long, and she was filing for divorce. She was stunned when Jim lunged at her, and even more stunned when he began to stab her with the knife that he was concealing behind his back. The attack was so sudden that by the time she began fighting back, she had already suffered several deep wounds to her chest and abdomen. Still, Christy fought, and she fought hard. When she kicked Jim, he sliced the back of her leg so severely that flesh flapped against the bone as Christy struggled. Jim smashed her face into the dresser before pulling out a gun which happened to be her pink nine millimeter and Jim shot Christy in the chest just four inches from her heart. Christy still fought when he tried to shoot her again she managed to pry the gun out of his hand and rip the magazine out before losing consciousness. When Christy woke up, she was heavily bleeding had been shot and stabbed and suffered a deep wound to her leg. Frantically, she glanced around for Jim and she didn't see him, but she heard the shower running. She realized that he must have assumed that he killed her and he was cleaning himself up. Christy knew it was now or never. She pulled herself up onto her feet and dragged herself out of the room. She grabbed the keys to the car before stumbling outside and only to realize that in her haste, she grabbed the wrong set of keys. Christy knew that if she went back inside, she'd be dead and luckily a car was driving by, and Christy threw herself in front of the car and the driver stopped. Upon seeing the frantic bloody woman, Rich Cole let her inside his vehicle. Cole was astonished by the brutal injuries inflicted on Christy. He was amazed that she was still alive, let alone conscious. He said that the cut on her leg looked so severe that he believed it was caused by a gunshot. As he drove to the hospital, Christy told him that her husband had tried to kill her and he's probably trying to make the scene look like self-defense. When Christy arrived to the hospital, the attending doctor described her as being quote, very anxious, very frightened, and very much in pain. Christy, understandably, was in a state of panic and couldn't relax until someone called Sherry to warn her that Jim may be coming after her next. When Sherry arrived to the hospital unharmed, Christy was able to receive the treatment she desperately needed. Christy's injuries were significant. With several deep wounds to her torso, the bullet was lodged in her back, making it difficult for doctors to remove. So they left the bullet in with the intention of removing it at a later time when Christy's body had a chance to heal. And Christy did heal. The tenacity within her that kept her fighting in the ring pulled her through the harrowing near-death experience she suffered from the hands of jim
1: meanwhile jim was missing i like to know what went through his head when he came out of the shower expecting to see his wife's dead body lying on the bedroom floor only to find that she was gone he didn't stick around he fled the scene and was missing for a week on november 30th jim was found in a grimy motel room he claimed that he was acting in self-defense and that he was the true victim he even had a stab wound to prove it. He was taken to the hospital, and once treated, he was charged with second-degree attempted murder. Despite almost killing her, Christie was not afraid of Jim. If anything, she was even more empowered with Sherry by her side, and with the help of famed lawyer Gloria Aldred, she was prepared to tell the court the truth behind her marriage and the abuse she endured for 20 years. Meanwhile, Jim pleaded not guilty and actually took the stand. At the time of the trial, he was in his mid-60s and appeared to be a weak, meager man. It would be easy to believe when he said, outside the ring, I was scared because I didn't want to do anything to make her mad. Still on the stand, he acknowledged that there was a struggle, but he was acting in self-defense, stating that we stabbed her. Jim continued to maintain that he didn't attack Christie, that she attacked him. But the crime scene told another story. Granted, investigators found blood and DNA from both Christie and Jim. However, Christie's was more consistent with the story she told. Jim's blood came from the stab wound that he endured, which we now know was after the attack and self inflicted. Despite the story Jim tried to spin, it was apparent from the evidence who the real aggressor was during the struggle. The jury agreed and found Jim Martin guilty of second-degree attempted homicide. Christy asked that Jim be sentenced to life in prison, but he received 25 years. This wasn't what Christy wanted, but in the end, she was okay with the sentencing. Due to Jim's age, it's unlikely he'll ever be a free man again. Christy went on to retrain her body after the attack. She wanted a comeback, not only for her career, but for herself. She booked several fights once she was ready, but due to scheduling conflicts and the natural wear and tear of the body, the comeback she wished for was never fulfilled. In 2016, Christy was the first female pugilist inducted into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. She ended her career with 49 wins, 31 of those wins were due to knockouts, 7 losses, and 3 draws. Christy kicked her cocaine habit the minute she left Jim. She and Sherry are still together, and they reside in Florida. Christy frequently tells her story of domestic abuse. She encourages women by saying that it's okay to ask for help. She reminds them that they are not alone, and that often, others may not realize that the abuse is happening. Jim Martin remains in prison for the crime he committed. For my final thoughts, I'll admit that at first, I didn't understand how Jim's threats over her sexuality were able to control Christy for as long as it did. But as I read more articles and listened to her interviews, I was really amazed by how sexist they all were. There was one in particular that I could nearly feel Christy's exasperation over being asked about her gender instead of focusing on the fight she had just won. I believe that for a while, Jim was right. If he would have told the boxing world that she was a lesbian, she wouldn't have had the career that she did. For anyone who thinks that Christy could have easily overpowered Jim during the attack, I like to remind them that she was caught off guard and was stabbed several times before she knew what was happening. Jim had also been a boxer in his youth, and although older, he was bigger than Christy. I credit her strength and ability for being able to fight him off in the first place and for her to be able to get herself to safety afterwards. I think Christy is such a badass and I have a lot of respect for her. It was very refreshing to do a case with a happy ending as well. I pretty much
3: agree with everything Nicole said. I think she's so cool and I am kind of glad that this case had a happier ending, even though, you know, the circumstances leading up to it were really terrible. It's got a better outcome especially after our last case
2: yeah especially after last week's episode about junko and nicole your last one about Catherine knight definitely refreshing to have you know a happy ending and yeah i think you said everything christy is amazing she's awesome